0: Que tú tira y jala y que bien Todo compones Mentiras tuyas Solo mentiras Porque en el barrio Hay mucha alegría Alalalale Révame lo tuyo Para yo creerte Révame lo tuyo Para yo creerte suele timbal y pírate en mano con mucha alegría porque ahorita aquí mí encuentro
1: And just like that, you're listening to Keep It In 100 with Jose Candelario. And this is a very, very, very special report. So special. Um, I'm going to let my guest introduce himself.
2: Shafiq Abdus Sabor.
1: All right. Because you don't know. not,
2: Not Abusador. Not Abusador. Abdus Sabor.
1: All right. Shafiq is a pillar of our community. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care whoever tries to chop it down from the roots. He's still there standing tall. Um, and representing, you say you've been around New Haven, born and raised, or a long time? Born and time?
2: raised, Yale, New Haven Hospital, right at the hospital. For back in the, it, it'll be called a back-in-the-day hospital soon, but I guess back in the day. No,
1: no, no, it's still Yale. It's Yale, always going to be Yale, New Haven. Yale, ha- ha- it's going, Yale now, New Haven, man. Yeah, New Haven, born and raised. You yeah. you you uh you were a police officer?
2: Police officer, 21 and a half years.
1: How was that for you? How's that experience? Talk. Yeah, this is this is all about you. This all about you,
2: Shafiq. So, so listen, man. So first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate you.
1: Um, no, trust me, you were recommended, highly recommended. Well, well, you, they, you they, were, they say you're a troublemaker. So I was like, you know what? I don't understand why people. Why you gotta send me to troublemakers? Yeah,
2: right. Listen, now you're, taking, now you're taking me back to school, man. I'm about to be in the hallway. We better do the show in the hallway. Then. Stop
1: it! Now we get canceled. We yeah, don't. Yeah. We don't get. sent yeah, dude, we, sure get, get we get canceled.
2: Yeah, no. So um, yeah, being a police officer. You know, I've been retired now for 5 years. So when I look back on it, I look at it as it was a mission. It was something that um, that God put me in that in that in that position for that moment. Mm-hmm. And I tried to utilize the time that I was there to impact change as best as I could for all people to be honest with you. I mean, you know, when I came into police academy, they asked everybody it was 21 of us. And 17 of us graduated. And I believe out of the 11 that graduated, there were two um, Hispanics, Chief Casanova, who later became a chief, uh, Mm -hmm. Maldonado, who later retired, I believe, as a detective. And then the rest of us were African-Americans. And I think there was like about five white officers or so. if I have the math right. But it was the largest class of African-American, Hispanic, Latino officers, like really in the history of of New Haven since uh, Pastor. And um, so they asked everybody, like, you know, why you want to be a cop and why you want to be a cop and all this stuff. And, you know, and everybody wants to have the right answer. Right. So I tell them, I said, I want to be a police officer because I want to help improve the lives of people. I said, but it's sp- explicitly and specifically for African American, Hispanic, and Latino people and women and children, because those is the group. That's the group that's normally underserved. That's, mm-hmm. that's the group that's normally isolated, alienated, they are left without a voice. And I remember then it was Kay Kodish, um, uh was, one that was the director, and they just looked at me like, you sure you're gonna make it through this academy? <laughs> and I was looking at them like, well, I can still go back and get a job. I was already broke when I went yeah. into the academy, so not having money was not an issue for me. Um, but that's how I started. I start. that's how I started my academy, man. And, uh, but how,
1: how, I mean, how did you get from New Haven I mean, where do you grow up? Where did you grow up? You, you so, grow up? How, yeah. Tell me how you got to police because there's not a lot of people from New Haven that yeah. actually become a police officer.
2: Yeah. So, you know, so to distill the rumor, I was not beat up as a kid, you know, I wasn't punked. Um, you know, that sometimes people believe that, oh, you got beat up as a kid and you know, I, I was everything but that, um, you know, I grew up, so I was born in New Haven at the hospital mm-hmm. i there's it's a house i don't know the number but it still exists it's two doors next to the to the mcdonald's on ferry street okay that's where my family lived okay so initially i lived on ferry street then across the street wasn't sea town it was peck Materials. it was obviously no duck and donuts duck and donuts was not existing yet. Mm-hmm. i was born mm-hmm. in 67 um and then we moved from there and then from there I was living. My mother had me very, very young, so I was living with my mother, my uncles, my aunt. So I grew up like in that Tyler Perry mode, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. My fa- my grandfather then rented a house on Edgar Street in the Hill, Yep. right? Yeah, I know where um, you're at. And then he saved up money, and then back then it was redlining, so it couldn't really get a loan, so he bought um, a house and built it from the ground up in West Haven. And so I stayed there for about maybe a year or two, and then my mother got married, and I moved back into New Haven. When I moved back into New Haven, my father was from Foot Street Projects where my grandmother lived. Mm-hmm. So I was a latchkey kid. I lived between Foot Street and the Projects, and then my parents then moved out, and they got an apartment in Florence Virtual, 139 Golf Street. Mm-hmm. So my life was between Foot Street and Webster and Golf. Foot Street, yep, yep, Webster, yep. and Golf. Yep. I went to Helen Grant um, up until the fourth, fifth, fourth, fourth grade Helen Grant ended. That was in my backyard, basically. Mm-hmm. My mother came to me and said, where do you want to go to school next? I had two choices. It was Baldwin, or it was Winchester School, and it was both of them for me as as a fourth grader. Was hell no. Um, where <laughs> else could I go? And so my aunt, who is only a year younger, who's only a year older, Winchester,
1: than Winchester was that Ivy School? No, no, that's so where. A...
2: So Winchester is. It's now where 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 Wex-A-Gran is. So where Wexler Grant is oh. used to be the old Winchester School. Oh, okay, that okay. whole thing, and um and so that area was a really funky area because you had the high rises on Ashman, you had mm-hmm. all the projects, you had what we now call Science Park, but that was just the industrial park mm-hmm. to everybody yeah, that else, was right? Whitney. That was, a, so it was
1: Whitney, yeah, it was just Whitney. It was, it was the Olin Gun. and
2: Gunn. It yeah. was just a funky area. The train tracks were still there on the back end. Yep. Um, but whatever the case is, I didn't want to go there. Winchester was like a rough school. You had to do a lot of fighting. We did a lot of fighting, in, um, even in Helen Grant. So my aunt, what was really interesting, so people forget about this, There was actually a private Catholic school Mm -hmm. in the projects. It was St. Martin's. Wow. So where the park is right now, where they have that park with the skate park and um, right there next to the Yale substation. The Yale substation was American Linen. So people had jobs, right? Because that was the American Linen. They washed all of the sheets and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of community people worked there. And then you had St. Martin's um, school, which was right there. So it was like the black Catholic church because, you know, they had broke off from the white Catholic mm-hmm. church. So many of the kids in the neighborhood, particularly kids that lived in the projects, went to St. Martin's. People mm-hmm. don't know that. And so the, you had, you had an educational alternative. So my mm-hmm. aunt, some of her friends all were going to St. Martin's already. Cause she was already out of like, my aunt's like a, I think a grade older than me. So she was already like in the sixth grade, seventh mm-hmm. grade. So when my mother was like, "We well, you want to go to school? My aunt was like, Boy, you better you know, she was like, Boy, you come, mm-hmm. come to St. Aidens with me. Mm-hmm. So I wind up going to St. Aidens. So okay, okay. fifth grade, I go so so fifth grade up to eighth grade, I go to St. Aidens. I get into eighth grade at St. Aidens. They said, um, you're all getting ready to graduate in like six months. Good luck. They okay. said, uh, you have two choices. Whoever wants to go to whoever wants to be a doctor decided to this whoever wants to be a doctor or a lawyer or or a dentist, or a scientist, or mm-hmm. you know, teacher. Raise your hand. People started raising their hand, and I was like, "What about an architect?" It was okay, little black boy architect. <laughs> <laughs> um, they said all of you need to take the test for Notre Dame, Saint Mary's, Fairfield well, Prep. prep yep. Blah 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 yeah, blah. Total rules, Mary. Right. And then they were like, "Anybody that wants to be a plumber, uh, uh, carpenter, you like working with cars." Blah blah mm-hmm. blah. Uh, we are suggesting that you take the test for, it was like something like you could go to, I think it was Eli Whitney. Eli Whitney, Whitney. And, that's always been. Yeah, go to Eli Whitney. School. And um, and so, even though I just kind of raised my hand, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but my mother did, and my mom's was like, you're going to Notre Dame. And that's where you went. And she filled out all the paperwork, and she was like, you're going. And I was like, I didn't know it was an all-boys school. And I was like, mm-hmm. all-boys school? Oh, man. She was like, you're going. I was like, oh, man. And so, um, I tried to failed the test for Notre Dame. Uh, I remember, like, the last page, I just was just, like, circling and it. You, and stuff. you
1: were so smart, you still passed. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: passed I, was so mad. I was so mad! How are you going to try to fail it? i did fail the test, man! I was so mad! I was, you know what it was? I was scared that my mother would figure out that I tried to fail it. She don't even know this today, so she don't listen to this radio. <laughs> well, well, <okay. laughs> I was gonna say, she's going to know now! Yeah, she's not going to know, right? She's probably going to listen to but, uh, So, I because I always knew my mother was smarter than me, right? She figured everything out. She's like a freaking detective, man. So I try, I was like, how can I fail this test so she won't know? Because they might give her the test and she'll look at it. And if she sees that I just put one line, I just put the, whole, the first circle of four, she's going to be like, you know, like really mm-hmm, upset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I had to like figure out throughout the test how I could just, put You in really the was ball. trying to throw it. Oh, yeah, I was trying to throw it, but I, I didn't want to go to school at all. I didn't want to go. But you and passed,
1: and you ended up going there.
2: So I took the test, forgot about it because, it was, you know, it was like yeah. three, four weeks out, mm-hmm. and I came home one morning, one night from um, from practice. I think I was playing football. And so then we were living at 49 Winter Street. It's like winter and golf mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. I
1: know where you're at. And,
2: yep. and now I'm in the eighth grade. I'm about to graduate, and my mother's in the kitchen the kitchen's near when you come through the front door. She's, like, frying chicken. She's on the phone, all the lights on. And I hear her talking in ah, ah. I'm like, oh, shoot. She found that I failed the test, and she done figured out. She's on the phone with them right now. <laughs> They're telling her. her that I that I, that I that I did it on purpose. I walked through that door. I just knew she was going to, like, slap me so hard. And I looked at her. I was like, my face is crazy. She looked at me. She says, you got in. You got in. And I was like, I got in what?
0: She's like, you got in on the nail I was like, damn. <laughs> that,
2: that
1: is was the rest that, of my but, life, man. But but let me tell you, it that that, <laughs> that that I could see that in the way you conduct yourself that you had a very strong um presence in your life that kept you on track, that you could not outsmart, that yeah. advocated for you, that taught you how to advocate for yourself. Yeah. Um what other attributes did you get from your mom because you see you Have an affinity for her.
2: Yeah, so you know, like my mom. So you know, it's it's interesting. My father. So so my mother. My mother had me when she was. My mother had me when she was like fourteen. Wow. You know, um, and so as I've gotten older, I can appreciate her. You know, we got we're in this time of Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and everybody's talking this stuff. You know, my mother had an opportunity. She could have been, in my opinion, she could have been even a greater woman in her life if she would have not chose to have me. She would have had more opportunities, right? What 14 year old girl wants to walk around with a baby in her stomach, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and because she did that, she couldn't go to regular schools. New Haven schools did not, they're not allow you to go to school. Mm -hmm. You get kicked out of school. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: So she had to go to Polly McCabe, where she always tells me the story about how horrible it was. Like they talked down to her and mistreated her. She became an outcast in her own school system. Because she was the 14-year-old girl with a baby. How did you get this baby? You know, you got to answer all these questions. Who, mm-hmm. who put this baby in you? Um, but she made a conscious decision, right? My grandmother tells me, always tells me the story, um, you know, that they, she made a conscious They beat her. She got a butt beat for getting pregnant, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah You yeah. know, um, but then, but then after they th- got... In
1: those days. Oh,
2: yeah. In those um, days. And we're talking uh,
1: about, you know... It's a real about. deal.
2: It's a real deal, you know? Um, and then she... You know, went fast forward, my grandmother says, look, you know, that they they sat down and said, look, if you want to have this baby, you know, if, and they gave her the choice, if you want to have this baby, we will help you raise this baby, you know? Mm -hmm. And so my mother made at 14 that decision, I want to have this baby, right? I want to have this baby that one day grows up to be Shafiq. Mm -hmm. Um, Having that baby comes with a struggle. You are a 14-year-old girl, now you're 15 with a baby. You got to go back to school. She went back to cross. Graduated mm-hmm. from cross. Um, my mother never really wanted to be a college person. She wound up, she wanted to go to nurse, nursing mm-hmm. school. She mm-hmm. did some stuff with nursing. Um, and then you're, you're pregnant and then you have this baby. And then, then what? Then who, who marries you? Where do you find? Mm-hmm. You know with the husband? My mother did not marry my biological father. She married what I consider to be my father. Now, um, Eugene Johnson, who passed about three years ago, he was uh, with the, the cross as well. And he was a mailman. You know, he wanted, now my father tells me, he said, look, I wanted to go to college. He was in um, community college there on, on mm-hmm. the yeah. Yep, 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 yep.
1: But oh, once
2: yep. he met my mother, they fell in love. He wanted to get married. School and
1: out. School out. <laughs> Yeah. out.
2: Yeah. Took he, a back seat. Yeah. He, he said, uh, you know, he knew he needed to get a job. Yeah, my mother didn't play that living with me stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, they made a decision. They would get married. And then he went and got a job at the post office. So that was the alternative mm-hmm. yeah, instead of going to the uh, South Central Community College.
1: South Central. That's what it was um, back and then. And
2: so around... 18, 19 years old, once I got into college, and you know, my father, one day me and him was playing pool, we're drinking some beers in the basement, playing pool at the house, and he came over to me, and he looked at me in the eyes, and he said, son, I love you. He said, and I just want to let you know it was worth it. That's what he mm-hmm. told me. He said it was worth it. And I understood what mm-hmm. he meant was that he put his life on hold mm-hmm. to marry a woman with a baby that he loved and she and, put her
1: life her life on and she hold put
2: her life on hold to
1: to have this baby
2: yeah to have this baby so so when people see me out here doing the work that I do you gotta understand I'm doing it from that from that position it's that, it, be... that,
1: that you you but you have a that's a tremendous amount of pressure yeah for you to still i mean you probably want to carry the rest of your life that you know maintain that legacy absolutely that you want you want to, that it was all worth it Every oh, single absolutely,
2: second. Absolutely. So, you know, my mother's still alive. She's 70. She lives out in West, in Westville now. And so, um, you know, as I said this recently to someone who was having a conversation, people have to understand that the things that I do in this city and for people, you know, I'm doing it from that space, you know? So
1: you're, not, you're not, it's not for
2: your pocket. No, it's, it's not for my pocket. It's not for your pride. I'm not to make money. You know, my parents, you know, as a Muslim, you know, money comes from God. Money don't come from man, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you do things, you pray for how many people out there, um, smart, got the formula, got the money and Mm -hmm. you still like, God, please make, let this go through. Please Mm -hmm. let them accept my offer or, you know, be the low bidder on this house. Please Mm -hmm. let me get that promotion. Please let, Mm -hmm. because it is coming from, from your higher power, Mm -hmm. right? We, we are just a formula. We're just the one in the plus one. (laughs) We, We not the two. (laughs) <laughs> all right all of a sudden
1: um i don't know if, if if uh shafiq turned israelite on me but you're listening to keep it 100 <laughs> with Jose candelario new haven independent 103.5 fm nhs newhavenindependent.org i just picked up mr shafiq from the corner on the chapel and uh church who was out there preaching on the soapbox
2: preaching on the soapbox and now brother. he's in
1: here bringing his love for his community got
2: beads and everything
1: yeah i see you got the i see you got your beads <laughs> and everything,
2: everything. for my tribe people from, from 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 the brothers from the tribe and everything uh,
1: <laughs> and we're we're getting to get a sense of who he is because even though you served in public office you have your own show on the radio um it's just people don't really no one has ever probably Taking the time to introduce you properly to the community. Mm. To get to hear that one story already, which is a story that is so common in New Haven. Yeah. Babies having babies. Yes. Uh blessed are you that you had a great grandfather and, and community support. Yeah. Because it was, you know, and that's and when you have uncles and aunts and uncles and grandparents together, that's community.
2: Yes, yes. That's that's,
1: that's the first basis of the community, and that helped mold you early on. And uh, I see uh, your stepfather was also.
2: Yeah. Your yeah. father was was. He's he, 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 he's a he was a monster man. This dude was like this dude was like about six feet, and you know we used to say soaking wet. He weighed about one hundred and fifty, mm. but um, but he was but he was fierce. You know, um, my father taught me, um, you know, I used, I remember I used to sit early. Sometimes I'd be sitting. He would say, hold your head up. Oh
1: uh, yeah yeah yeah, up, yeah yeah
2: yeah right. Um, and so he was all hold your head up. I remember when I was in um. And he, and he taught me things, right? Um, when I in eighth grade, we went to our like our first prom dance. You know, wow. I, I went and got dressed, and then he brought me to him. and like, what do you have on? Take that off. Put this on. And that's <laughs> when he gave me his first shirt. And a tie. Let me tell you something. I wore the hell out of that shirt and tie. I must have worn to every
0: everything <laughs>
2: every, after every that. Oh for, gosh, for, for five years. Oh my gosh, that was. Um, but he taught me how to tie my first tie. He taught me how to put my shirt on. He taught me how to match my clothes. Uh, my father and, was a.
1: Was, and let me tell you something. That is really was missing in our society right now. I mean, you you've been fortunate enough to had that, that. I call it. We used to call them home economics, right? Yes. yes. Life skills yes. training, or whatever you want to call it. You were fortunate enough to get that yes because there' are so many in, in gentlemen in our neighborhood right now living in a city that do not have that yeah and I see that you're on a mission right now in life to make sure that everyone gets these resources or gets access to this kind of of nurturing
2: yeah you know you know why because it is absolutely critical I didn't realize the impact of my father, until really I got into Notre Dame and I got into my last years of Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame was a very, I guess you could say, if I was a hunk of metal on the end of a stick, mm. it turned me into a sharpened spear, mm. right? Um, you know, when we got in, I remember getting into school and I tried to play the race card one day. I said, ah, just, y'all got me doing this because I'm black. And one of the brothers there that was white, was most of all the brothers there was white, Mm-hmm. and uh, and brothers meaning that they're 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 about to they're, a priest. They're, yeah they're they're in, yeah, order. They're they're in order they're in order yep he he came over to me it was like i think i was the only black kid in the room i was like my second year and he looked at me and he said let me tell you something young man and he was like stand up he made me stand up I'm like oh gosh he said you're not here because somebody asked you to be here he said you're here cuz you earn the right to be here he said now you got one job it is to earn the right to stay he said and mm. that's the same opportunity that everybody else has in this room once you ever forget it sit down and you got <laughs> it was like and you got detention
1: <laughs> i was like okay you got the you got the lesson you, yeah. got the, you learned the lesson hard. oh man but that the, can, can, does that does that um does that transfer to today today? Oh, absolutely. Can you say can you say that to that, a young minority? So you I know what I did was, it trans- was feeling that, like the white man, you know, that's he's you right. the, the 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 man. The that's man right. the, the that's man is right. doing this.
2: That's right. You know, it you know what he what what they what it translate to me now is take personal accountability as far as you can in your mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely there's forces out there, there's racism, there's there's systematic racism. There's always going to be, there's your own people coming for you. There's always a Judas in the room or a Judette, right? If you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you can't control your space and you can do it by defining your character. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is my space. My space can be an area where we can have a picnic or it can be a steel cage match. Mm. But understand something. Mm-hmm. If you're coming for a picnic, we're gonna eat and we're gonna have a really good time. And we're gonna eat. If you're coming for a steel cage match, it's on and popping.
1: All right, so let's keep this cordial with the picnic basket, then. I don't want to get. I don't want to get into <laughs> you get it steel these. cage. I can. I, I can. I can already tell you are a an individual who um who have has impeccable memory. Um, and it's it's. I mean, this is now a personal thing between me and you right now. This is right. personal because I struggle in life with with the ability to forget certain yeah. things because. You remember dates, numbers, people. Well, don't cup. forget
2: I I was a cop, so you know when a cop's memory is. You know what our memory is. Mm. I do not recall.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Stop
1: it! Stop it! You, you say that, but you. Sorry, sorry. Do you, not recall. You you that's that's what you say to your boss. But I can tell that that's, that, that's <laughs> BS. I'm calling yeah. BS on that. Yeah. Um, how do you manage that? I mean, how do you manage all that information in your head? And how and how is that recall process for you? Because everyone's different. Yeah.
2: So I grew up in you know I grew up in a very stressful environment, no no doubt. You know uh, my life my, my my lifestyle as a child was not perfect. I won't get into all of the, the details. My mother, you, you
1: got your butt whooped. Yeah. It's okay.
2: No, I'm saying so so my mother and my father were not abusive, so it wasn't to that oh, okay. extent. But I did grow up in a you know New Haven was a very violent place, man. You know, um, me and my aunt, I remember we were we were at her house on Foot Street. Our apartment overlooked the dumpster when Foot Street ran into a dead end. It was yep, actually yep, a dead end. Yep, and yep. It was a yep. dumpster there. And I remember one night we heard somebody arguing and arguing, and we probably at that time was 6 and 7. I was 6. And we looked out the window because her bedroom, we stand on the bed looking out the window over the heater. And I can remember it was raining. The the rain was coming across that big. The, we had the big light over our over our window. So when the rain came over, it was a little bit blinding. so we had to look under the light to be able to see. So our guy the, arguing with the girl. We watched it, listened to a while, pulled out a gun, shot her, killed mm-hmm. her right there. That was six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of my life, and I think a lot of the, the ability to recall information is, is we call it now trauma. But mm-hmm. when traumatic events do happen to you over course of your life, mm-hmm. you have to etch that mm-hmm. because they become markers. Or maybe for me, it's markers of things that I don't want to. Go too far back into dealing with, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they could also be markers just as a reminder never make sure you never revisit this moment again, or this moment is never revisited upon you again, mm. right? Um, and those become survival skills, right? In terms of uh, you trying to do so, uh, you know, running for all, there are um, doing something else in the public view, and people say, Oh, they're gonna come for you. Well, I know what it feels like when somebody comes for me, and I know how to prepare for when they come, and I'm already gonna have a very calculated response in multiple levels on how I'm gonna to respond to that. I'm not gonna be in the room saying, oh my God, what I'm gonna do next. It's just gonna be, do, will I have mercy on this individual about how I'm <laughs> no. gonna go about and, 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 and launch this thing? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the science behind how I you, operate. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, and, and I'm, I'm yeah. glad that I feel like now I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for making me feel less lonely in this world, because people are like you always. You know, people yeah. view that as you always got something to say. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I'm always prepared, I'm prepared to man. say something.
0: I'm prepared,
2: bro.
1: I mean, if they, oh, you think you're smart? No, yeah. no. Yeah. I am. I am in a position in in life where God put me, where I can handle any yeah. conversation yeah. from any angle. Yeah. And you are there. Uh, you ran for Alder. Yes. Ran for Alder, and um, everyone reminded me of, of your Alder situation. Can yes. Say, say, because the way me and uh, <laughs> for those who are listening out there, you're listening to Keeping It 100 with Jose Candelario here on 103.5 FM WNHA's New Haven Independent.org, your home for community radio, powered by La Voz Hispana. I'm here with Shafiq, former retired police officer. And uh, so you were recommended to me by my one of my mentors uh last night i got a call from another one of my mentors that i I work with uh both told me uh who you are make sure that i did my research on you wow and uh get out of you uh the story
2: the story the story
1: everybody wants to hear about the story you were alderman in the 28th ward um people 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 looked up to you um I, i was speaking to um uh, how am I going to forget my co-host, Marcy Lynn? Okay. And she even said, "I want, I want, I would have moved into his wow. ward." Because, Come on, Marcy, because of your leadership abilities. It's in New what
2: Haven.
1: You, yeah, now she, she's back in New Haven. She's on uh, off of Whittlesey.
2: You don't have to move. I got, I got something new
1: for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with that said, so yeah. your experience in order, you were alderman of the 28th Ward. Loved it, and you loved it. You were loved out it. there. You you earned your piece. How, love before, before we get to the ending, how was running for Alder and that experience loved of having it, to get loved? To know everybody? It,
2: man. It was love. It was literally, you know, outside of my whole 21 and a half years as a police officer, um, in terms of public service. Just, you know, here's the thing running for Alder is even better than like being an Alder, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, because when you run for Alder, you got no responsibility a, it, yet. What it is, is I, it took me about a year to run, right? Mm-hmm. So I think about a year. It's a 12-month it's a covenant. It's a 12-month covenant with people. Yes. When you get elected, now it's up to you to fulfill that covenant, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so then now it's just, okay, I'm going to do what I said. I'm going to do what I said. I'm going to do what I said. But when you're running, it's like, hi, how you doing? What's your name? Oh, I didn't know that. Or you play the guitar. Or this is where you live. Or your house is wonderful. And people really are letting their guard down, and they're telling you, and mm-hmm. they're being vulnerable. And that's... Your job now is to process that and don't let them down. That's how I saw it. Don't mm-hmm, let them mm-hmm. down. Um, so, running for alder, it was a great experience. It was a new level of uh, public service, and then becoming an alder was a new level of experience. You know, and they said, you know, you want to, you really want to sharpen somebody's skill set as a leader. Mm-hmm. Give them, it, give them, it, give them responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. And you want to test somebody's true character. And find the true character of a person. Give them power, Mm -hmm. right? So what I'm hoping that happened in those six months is that people were able to see, wow, this guy really loves to take the hard positions to lead us out of these dark and murky waters. Mm -hmm. And you know what? And he's not a bad guy. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not sitting around here making it work for him. He's not sitting around here just doing the stuff for his. This guy is really Mm -hmm. like out here, really putting his life, you know, his life and his character out here. For the people. That's what I'm hoping that people walked away with. You but in, you in, ran in, against so.
1: somebody that was part of the status quo. Yes,
2: yeah, tech. Yeah, I, I guess you could say that.
1: So you, so you you threw a wrench into someone's plan.
2: I threw a wrench into an entire system's plan. That's not was wasn't one, one person, that's a whole network. That's, you know, in some cases I'll just keep it a buck, that's like the entire Democratic Party. Right? So um you know, we are in a we're mm. in an environment right now where you know a young black boy like me from the projects, per se, mm-hmm. right? From mm-hmm. a teenage mom, um, I have to go. Technically, if I play the game, right, I got to go get permission from an assortment of people in order to figure out: um, Do I have the permission? to move forward, to help people,
1: the democratic that, mafia,
2: you got to, you got well, to go, I don't you know, to go I, kiss the I, ring. I, I can't, I, to wanna, go kiss no, the I don't want to use that. Term and you that. didn't do that. Well, that's, that's a strong, uh, that's I mean, a strong I, I, thing. Know? I'm just
1: articulating in in, well, in, in mean, a more be, common means. Right. Word. Right. But I'm I want to, use keep,
2: your narrative. Yeah. I'm to use it. Um, and it's okay. Right. That structure has been there and that's worked for the structure for a long time. However, um, I don't believe in our, in our democracy, that you should have to pass through all of these secret doors and all of these particular things in order to run for office. You should be able to, I want to run for office, go run, mm-hmm. right? And and not have to know that when I start to run, I'm already in a in a battle out the door day one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess you could say if you're willing to do that, then didn't, didn't Martin Luther King do that? Yeah. Didn't El Hajj Malik, El did Then all of these civil mm-hmm. rights leaders that yes. uh, we're celebrating now. Um, um, um James Baldwin mm-hmm. and people, oh, everybody's fascinated. Mm-hmm. So you know what? Somebody's gotta do it, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, all I can do is you know, my, my grandmother told me she said, If God be for you, let no man be against you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I translate it down as is <laughs> that well, if you know everybody's against you, you ain't got to worry about nobody being for you. There, there you go. <laughs> you know where everybody stands. Yeah, yeah, you know where you everybody stands. You know what? But you know where I need to just let everybody know, look, I'm standing for the people. It's always for the people. It's so, for the people, So you man. said you
1: disrupted a whole system. You disrupted I didn't the do it on the, purpose. The, you didn't do it on purpose. I'm sorry. You, you, <laughs> you're, wow.
2: I'm sorry. Are, you, I,
1: are you publicly apologizing? No, I'm not publicly apologizing. <laughs> I'm saying I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> 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 for being you, I guess. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So, you yeah. disrupted the system and so you was there a mark on your back? I mean, okay, did, so did, let did, me let did, me just no,
2: I I exercised the freedom given to me by the mm-hmm. Constitution of the United States. How dare you? And when I did that, mm-hmm. the system felt it was a disruption. So that disruption is not my causing. No. I did what I needed to that do. That was a reaction. That's that's my that's my right. I, I, I utilize my right.
1: You ran for alderman on what platform? What won the people over?
2: Safety, leadership, and community. Communities inter- tr- bringing people together, having everybody have the opportunity to interface with one another to come up to common solutions.
1: So with that said, it's pretty, uh, to me, it is uh, also then indicative of the lack of the previous person that was there. They were not for those three well, I don't ideals. know. I don't know
2: if uh, so. Here's what I was Cause saying because you wouldn't have won if those three ideals were in place. I think. Well, sometimes you know. Hey, listen. You know, sometimes you can win because because you're the new shiny thing, right? And sometimes you can win because the timing is right. And mm-hmm. sometimes you can win because of energy and you know. Uh, I let the you know. Here's the beautiful thing about elections. Mm-hmm. We don't decide as a candidate. You, okay. The community does.
1: Oh, that, 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 okay.
2: You know, and sometimes it's very difficult.
1: I, I thought that the Democratic
2: committee decided who. No, who, no, who well, no. The I office. mean the people still vote. So here's the thing. So, here's, so here's, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Jose. Because here's the thing. Uh-huh. Because in 2019, in the mayoral election, 2019, mm-hmm. there were 60,000 eligible New Haven voters. 60,000.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Tw- roughly 12,000 voted for Elliker,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and roughly 5,000 voted for Hart. Mm-hmm. right that was so, so a total of 17,000 votes were roughly cast mm-hmm. of the 60,000 mm-hmm. and that's 30%. However, mm-hmm. in the last mayoral election last mayoral election 21 mm-hmm. 2021 mm-hmm. there were 56,000 eligible voters 56
0: mm-hmm.
2: 9,000 voted for Elliker.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. 1,700 voted for Carlson as a Republican. Mm -hmm. There was no other challenger. Only 12,000 votes total was cast. So that's 23%. So here's what I'm saying. The people, the people are determining who they want. But I will agree the way our party line politics are set up, there's something that's happening where where is the other 70... Four percent. Where's the other seventy five? What is it? Seventy seven percent. But I think I I
1: I believe that sometimes it's convenient that they do not show up at the polls for certain people who are running. Yeah.
2: Well, so here's what I would say. What I would say is my style, um, of becoming a leader in New Haven for people around their needs and actually closing the gap on getting things done is to not leave out anybody. Mm -hmm. Right. So here's what I did in Beaver Hills. And here's the process. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, so I'm a, so I'm a, so I'm a tell.
0: I'm a tell. Say
2: something. Almost 99% of every single person that runs an office in New Haven, and I don't care what office they're running for. Okay. Yeah. They will go and they will pull down all of the voting records for that mm-hmm. previous year. Mm-hmm. They'll look at all the names that were crossed Mm -hmm. off. Mm -hmm. Your name crossed off, that means you're voted. Yep. They'll call a cross-off. I ran for alderman. Right. I ran for
1: alderman in 29th. But I'm glad. What I like about it is that now you're educating the public. Yes,
2: because it's important that
1: they know.
2: Right? So they're crossed off. So I'm going to use a street like Carmel Street. Yep. Carmel Street has roughly around 200 eligible voters, but only roughly 38 people vote on Carmel Street. Right? Mm -hmm. So if I would look at Carmel Street and then I would look at something like, Bellevue Road, which I believe has maybe something like 300 voters, mm-hmm. but of the 300 voters, like 275 votes. you hey, Yale Avenue. If I going to go <laughs> knock on doors because mm-hmm. it's time, how many times are like, I going to be on the door for two minutes, two times this and this, and I got to drive mm-hmm. over there, and it's like, you know You're what? you to focus on- I'm going to focus on Bellevue Road. I would focus on Bellevue Road because it's an easy hit. They always vote. All I got to do is get the message, make contact. I'm good to go, and they're going to carry a good percentage of my numbers per se, right? Mm-hmm. Go I'm going to gonna go, save Carmel Street technically uh-huh. under under the concept under under the under the theory that's used. I would save Carmel Street for last, or maybe I might not even go there personally. I might send my team. staff there, so the staff is, "Oh, here you go, here you go." As a result of that, if Carmel Street has potholes, if Carmel Street has issues, if Carmel Street has problem with trash pickup, no rep- Carmel Street has don't have representation for crime, then those don't become a priority because my I'm going to be listening to where I went and did the cross So now if you take all the cross-offs in the entire city as a whole, and you see the areas where people vote and who votes, then there's no surprise when you see, in terms of the this current administration, how it's been over the last three years of why people are clamoring like, oh my God, why do I have a methadone clinic in my neighborhood? Because you were not on the cross-offs. Mm-hmm. And so you did not become prioritized in the economic development of the Mm -hmm. city. Why is there going to be potentially a homeless shelter drop smack dab in the middle of, of, um, of, um, of Grand Avenue and Hispanic Latino district Mm -hmm. that struggled like hell to build that district up. And you're going to go and put a homeless center right there. You know why? Because of the cross-offs, right? Didn't, didn't make the priority list. You know, why do we have a a, a drug rehab coming to CVS, right? Right where uh, you have a, Afro-Hispanic, Latino, immigrant, Jewish, um, you know, four corners meeting. Mm-hmm. But we're going to divide that up again with another drug because you didn't make the cross-off list. So this is where the hustle game comes in. And people need to understand that. you got to get out here and vote. And you know what? I know I've been hearing people say, oh, but. You know, we'll vote when we have a candidate. We'll go get you a candidate, then, damn it. Mm-hmm. Go get you a candidate. Go wake up a candidate and tell them to get out here and vote, so you can get so those you have the choice. So you get seven, that's choice. right. So you can get those Put, other uh, what would it be? Roughly uh, 70%, seventy percent, seventy-five percent, oh. thirty-six thousand votes.
1: Yeah, and let me tell you that, and in, in, in that's on on an off year that's decent. Cause let me tell you, I've been I'm involved in politics where all fears yeah. is, is as low as fifteen percent.
2: That's right. Turnout. That's so right. You, in, in the- and they're predictable. Here's the thing, Jose. They're it has gotten so commonplace. And why I'm saying this, y'all, because I'm to tell. Because even when I was a police officer and I worked in government, I I I tried to be one of those cops. I wanted to know everything. Mm-hmm. So I you know I worked as close to the Stefano as I could. <laughs> you know if I could have mm-hmm. been a, a lapel on his on his shirt, I I would have did it. And sometimes I was. And I would watch how things would go. I would watch when people would get really, really upset in government, and people would say, "Go get, tell me what the voting percentage over there. Seven percent? We're good, mm-hmm. right?" Mm-hmm. And so this is the operation until that mechanism is broken. That and that so oh, until people show up at
1: the polls, show that's up, the man. only way. God show up, so everyone could disrupt the system just like you did. Yeah. So you disrupted the system, you got in, and. You were there for only six months. Six months. So I was there for six months. And because you were to, to clarify the, you know, I mean, I could pull up the New Haven Independent yeah. article. Uh, let tell people the story. You were okay. There for six so I was months. there for six
2: months. When I took over as alder, when I, when I became an alder, I was I had a contract cleaning all the public schools. So contract cleaning all the public schools. Been doing that. We actually went through when I looked it up seven contracts. So I, so this would have been my seventh mm-hmm. final contract. The Contract was ending. And then you can now apply to be the new person all over again. Cause it's a new one year round with four renewals. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I took office, I was cleaning the schools, mm-hmm. even as an older, I was cleaning the schools. I had already checked with people throughout the process and g- legislative, um, you know, about that. And it was like, not an issue. And um, So they it were was not...
1: not an issue when they thought you weren't, were not were going to win, but go ahead.
2: Right. So it was an issue then. Um, and then, we got to the point of we needed to uh, certify the documents and it was a clause in there. <clears throat> and so it was like, Oh wow. You know, like I only had a couple of days and I can't really get too deep in it. Cause there is a lawsuit pending. Mm-hmm. But what I did is I made a conscious decision that, um, it was better and rightful for me to step down as Alder than it would have been, to evacuate the company. And here's why. And this was a tough decision for me. Um, I ran for Alder to make change and do things in the city and and do help. That was a two-year kind of process and a commitment. However, the company that I was leading,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I built over 10 years Mm -hmm. and I've hired people from the community who are homeless. I've hired homeless people.
0: You've put money in people's yeah, pockets, and got You've them changed back lives.
2: On, you know, got them back on their feet, got them into apartments, making sure that they could uh, be able to do the things that they needed to do. And I talked to my workers on a weekly and daily basis. They called me for different things and support. I just felt like if I stepped away from that company and then been a superstar alder, even if another company would have got this contract, which they eventually did, what would that, what, what what kind of message would I have sent to those New Haveners? Because a lot of people that work for the company. So
1: you stepped down yes. from the position as you felt like it was the right thing to do. Correct. Because you put your employees first. That's correct. And then you ended up not getting the contract.
2: And that's okay. You know, I knew stepping down, there was no guarantee that I was going to get the contract anyway, even if I didn't step down. Right. Mm-hmm. So, So all things being fair, right. There was still no guarantee that I would get the contract.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but the difference was I would not have been able to be settled in my heart having moved off from my company and just been an alder. Mm-hmm. I felt that that was selfish yeah, because I knew I could run for alder again. You know, God give me strength and ability. I yep. could run for alder again. Yep. What I couldn't do is rebuild that company again from the ground up with all of those workers, with 75 percent New Haven workers, mm-hmm. with you know, 40 percent Latino and I couldn't do that again. Mm. So that was more immediate. That was the more urgency of what needed to happen. And I believe it worked. Um, I did not. I didn't obviously be, be an alder. I'm still getting things done in the community. There's still other opportunities mm-hmm, out mm-hmm. there. And you know,
1: so, cause you know, when you see the papers and you read the, the narrative is all like, Ooh, he stepped down because something was suspicious. No, nah,
2: nothing was suspicious. You know, no one offered me anything. There was no secondary. Uh, well, if you do this, you'll get this in the end. And if you do this, you get none of that. It was like, no, I mean, I'm gonna keep it a buck and I'll talk about it later. <clears throat> um, there was probably some things that if I would have went along with in the political arena, mm-hmm. um, it would have probably been you all set, but you know what? Um, I will just send this message. Don't send your weak people to me, cause I ain't falling for it. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you're not sure about where I stand, go back to the beginning of this broadcast and listen to it again. Don't send weak people to me, man. I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time to play. And Like and, and, I said,
1: and, ju- and just like that, we ran out of time.
2: Ran out of time, bro.
1: So that's what you know. People always ask me, "How did you? How, how did you feel?" Yeah, it, it started and finished in one minute. That's a good show.
2: Yeah. That's a yeah, good show. Yes. I thank you for your time. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you.
1: You running for mayor?
2: Not at this moment.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> and then let me rephrase my question. Now that the journalist, I got to become a journalist.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. have
1: aspirations in the future to run for mayor of the city of New Haven?
2: I would say that if the people feel that that's something that they would like me to do to help them move the city forward, then it would be an idea that I would embrace.
1: Okay. That sounds like a yes, hard yes to me. Uh, not, not out of his mouth. It's me. I'm saying. the people's will, man. It's the, the people's, people's will. will. It's
2: the people's will, man. It's and, for and, the people. And, and, and let me tell you, that's how it is. As, as they said, it's all about bregamos. Huh? <laughs> huh? Hey. Huh? With that said, this
1: has been Keeping It 100 with Jose. <laughs> uh, do Sabor. Uh, do Sabor. You
2: can roll the R too, Shop, you know. Shout
1: speakers in the building. You know you can roll the R, right? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, there you go. Do step
2: on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you for your time, I sir. love you, man. Appreciate you. Until next time, this is Keeping It 100. 10345 right. FMWNH New Haven Independent.org. You're home for community radio. Community.
2: Community, man. Urban De, Barrio. Talk. De Barrio. De Barrio. De
1: Barrio. Ur- De Barrio. And check out Urban Talk. It's on the schedule. Yeah.
2: De Barrio, man. <laughs>
0: que pruébame, pruébame para creerte en mano Dicen que es el peor del barrio Dicen que es el peor del barrio Suena no la copa suena el mundo.